listening to the B-Fox and B-Frank show. We are done with week three of the college football season. Get right into it. The game of the week was expected to be Clemson-Louisville, uh, so we'll start there. It did not turn out to be that competitive. Lamar Jackson lost a lot of his help from last year, but more than that, Clemson looks like it might be the best team in college football. Yeah, if Kelly Bryant can play like that week in, week out, that's a dangerous team because that defense is really damn good. They bottled up Lamar Jackson, uh, 17 carries for 64 total yards. At one point, he was 6 of 19 passing. And, I mean, that's just tough to do, even with Lamar Jackson's, you know, inaccuracies. He's still usually a pretty competent quarterback back there against good defenses. Yeah, there's one uh, it's fairly impressive touchdown drive in the early going by yeah. Louisville to, to knock the score, but after that, it was pretty much nothing until garbage time. Um, most of Lamar Jackson's all-purpose yards were in the fourth quarter after the game had long since been decided. And, I mean, we had, we had some question marks about Clemson's offense. They hadn't really faced anyone besides Auburn and you know Auburn's defense is very stout there were a lot of struggles there but they just overwhelmed Louisville yeah they I mean again Kelly Bryant just made plays that was it that was the biggest question mark I had about him going into the game I didn't know you know if he if he was capable of really doing it and he was able to find open receivers and not only that but throw good accurate passes it all three levels of the field, which was impressive because it, he kind of seemed gum, seemed gun shy early in the you know the first two games of the year, and he really kind of let loose on the road. So that was uh, I don't know if that's what he needed, just get get into a hostile environment and have to make plays, let your you know natural abilities do it and, instead of thinking. But whatever works, and it clearly did for Dabo and company because he looked great. The offense was clicking. It seemed like every time they had the ball, they were they were scoring. And it seems, as incredible as this is, and I think it was Kirk Herbstreit who pointed this out during the broadcast, you lose a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's far and away one of the best quarterbacks in college last year, first-round draft pick, and they might have a better team this year. Because even with Watson last year, they're still – you know, an underdog against Bama, and it was kind of seen as a bit surprising um, to folks outside of, you know, South Carolina that they were able to win that game. But this year, through three games, they've got two very good wins over Auburn on the road at Louisville. The defense looks phenomenal. And if the offense, like you said, can put it together like this, they won't have to be this great week in and week out with the defense they have, but it's good to know that they have the potential to be this good. Right, and and like you said, they they lose probably one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year who's now starting in the NFL, and they lose their best playmaker, Mike Williams, and they're still right. able to keep the offense rolling. And yes, early on, some of that was predicated on the defense just playing so damn well because – this is this D line is up there, I think, with Ohio State and how good they are, and the secondary is got to be one of the best next to Alabama. So it's it's wild to watch because 
you just thought I I specifically thought that Clemson would have to fall off. Mm-hmm. You can't. I just never saw a way that they could compete the same way, or even I would say take a step forward, like you were you were just mentioning from last season, losing all that talent. But they figured out a way to do it. Clear, clear favorites in the ACC if they weren't already, um, especially with the injury to Francois over at Florida State. And obviously the other contender was Louisville, and we, we saw how that went in a head-to-head matchup. So the road to the national championship so far looks like it's still going to be running through Clemson. But again, still early in the season, a lot of things can happen. Contenders will still probably come out of unexpected places, and that's my flawless transition to go over to what happened to friend of the program, Coach O, and his LSU Tigers. It did not go well. Um, This is the sort of beatdown at the hands of Mississippi State suffered a couple years ago to Dak Prescott when we first realized that Mississippi State was good. We might be in a similar situation this year. Um, Nick Fitzgerald, a lot of struggles early. Um, the week before against Louisiana Tech, they end up winning that game in a blowout. And then this game, just utter domination. 30-point win, four total touchdowns for Fitzgerald, a defense that holds LSU to just 270 yards of offense. And, I mean, I don't think anybody saw this coming. But now you have to think Mississippi State – where did they rank in the SEC hierarchy? Because I think they they could easily be a top two, top three team. Yeah, and that's the thing, because it feels like every year we find one random SEC team that will come out of the blue and, and play a couple real good games. Hopefully they're not a flash in the pan and they're, you know, legitimate. It all It'll all start with Nick Fitzgerald's consistency. Um, if he can play how he has been this season – uh, throughout the rest of their SEC schedule, I think they'll be all right. And one of the one of the big things is you just see how desperately LSU needs a quarterback because Danny Etling is not very good, <laughs> and it's just it's stack the box like dare dare him to throw, and they can't they just can't do it. So um, it'll be fun to see Mississippi State have to run through that SEC West schedule because. This is just another capable team that we get to see. And that defense is very good. They're, like, very good. Yeah, and you still have Auburn. You still have Shea Patterson at Ole Miss. They lost last weekend to Cal, but they're still a good team. Um, So always seems to be some random teams popping up, uh, especially in the West. The East is – it is what it is. And that's usually Florida and Tennessee, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Mississippi State, very impressive. And on the other side, LSU, you mentioned the quarterback play. That's the thing with how bad it was under Les Miles is when they brought in Danny Etley in midseason last year. It's like, all right, we actually have a passer now. You remember, this is a guy who couldn't even hold on to the starting job at noted football powerhouse Purdue. So I don't, I don't know where – how how that happens, how he gets that sort of anointed one status. Incredible thing last year is he had two former Purdue backups in the SEC with Austin Appleby at Florida. There's ultimately a letdown in Danny Etling, who is 
quickly becoming one after having a couple of good games against the likes of Jackson State or whoever his debut was last year. It's still it's still going to be immense amounts of pressure on Darius Geist because he doesn't have any support through the air. He, I mean, it's it's a tale as old as time. LSU has like one or two very talented offensive players who just start off very you know confident, optimistic, and you just see them slowly eaten away because of how bad their quarterback play is. It's happened with Odell Beckham. It happened with Malachi Dupree. It's going to happen, or it happened with Leonard Fournette, and it's going to happen again with Darius Geis now. Uh, Dupree's not really at that level, but he came in heralded well, so I had to throw him on the list. Jarvis <laughs> Landry, too. Yeah, Jarvis Landry. So, I mean, it's it's the curse of LSU. If they can ever get a quarterback, maybe they'll have a shot, but I don't – I just – it feels like – it feels like one of those things where they just can never line up their teams when they get their good players. Kind of like Boston College, who's had countless number of like pretty good professional players. You know, the guy Matt Ryan, if you've ever heard of him, reigning MVP. Luke Keekley, B.J. Raji, all sorts of guys like that, and they just never play at the same time. They're all staggered. So that's kind of like what LSU's offensive talent is like. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been no shortage of skill position players. They're in a very talent-rich area, so that makes sense. But, you know, haven't been able to put it all together since, you know, Jamarcus Russell or even Matt Flynn. He could throw in there, too. But since those guys, they haven't had anybody. And you think about, like, Zach Mettenberger was supposed to be that guy, but instead he now finds himself in the holy trinity of all-time overrated College quarterbacks with pro prospects, for whatever reason, along with Jake Locker and Christian Hackenberg, just no matter how poor the on-field product remained week after week, kept being sold on his pro potential, and the promise that eventually he would figure it out and LSU would have a passing game, but we're, we're through the Les Miles era. Granted, these are still his holdovers, so you can't really put that fully on Coach O, but you you got to think at some point with all the talent that's on these offenses, a little more is going to be done on the field. Yeah, and he should honestly just be calling every single top quarterback out there and just throwing scholarships at him. Come play. We need you. Like, you will get playing time. If you yeah. are even somewhat competent or capable in the backfield, that's all we need. Like, you can hand it off to Darius guys 25, 30 times a night. We just need you to throw it 20 times and complete 14 of them because that'll give our offense a chance to move. It's it's desperation time almost at LSU because they're just wasting these unbelievable talents. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be a tough sell. Right? No, like, not at all. You're always going to have a good defense, a lot of pro prospects there. Generally speaking, you're going to have a dynamite running back and talented receivers. So why would you not want to play there? Playing against some of the best teams in college football. Right. I don't know. I, no, to me, I feel mind. like it was, I don't know. It blows my mind. It really does. Need Lorenzo Romar on the case. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Get him in there. Um, in the East, the game of the week turned into a classic after resembling closer to El Asico for the first half. Florida and Tennessee, it's trading field goals, 
Um, seems like Florida had this one and one. Turned the ball over. Tennessee kicked a field goal to tie it. Thought for sure heading to overtime. And then Tennessee forgot what a Hail Mary was for some reason. Didn't line up in a prevent defense. No one was on the goal line and just got straight beat on the post for a walk-off touchdown. It's outrageous because they didn't they beat Georgia last year in Athens on a, a last-second Hail Mary? Yeah, like the first five, like three of their first five wins were just like ridiculous at the end of the fourth quarter. Right. And just to not – I don't know. I, I It's a very – Butch Jones loss. Like that's the only way I can put it. Is it looked great? Everything was going great. Like we're we're up late. This is this is what the world is all about. You know, Felipe Franks has been average at best all night, and all of a sudden, 64 yards later, it's a touchdown, and we're losing, and we lose this game on a walk off. So, uh, Florida's defense is still and will always be the story whenever they play. Three more interceptions, another one for a touchdown. Give me, like, I'm going to just start a fantasy college football, and I'm just taking Florida's defense number one overall. They're just going to score points every single week, and it's insane. Yeah, and it's insane that that's, like, necessary. Like, first, a three touchdown, first three touchdowns of the season for them were pick sixes. And score an offensive touchdown until the fourth quarter of their second game. And I'm almost a little surprised that the Hail Mary wasn't their first one. But from Tennessee perspective, basically set up on this like it was a normal first and ten. Cornerback just passed the receiver off of the safety as if he was trying to protect against something underneath for some reason. I don't know why you don't just run with the deep receiver. And then just straight up got beat. That's... It is very much Jones, like you said. They are still champions of life, but this is a very tough one to explain to the fans, especially since they worked so hard the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter just to get back in that position and tie the game. So just to have it evaporate that quickly is just hilarious. Yeah, it's a, it was a devastating loss for those Tennessee fans because you literally have hope, and it's just dashed in 64 yards in like seven seconds. Uh, it, it, Butch Jones, the, the whole Butch Jones era can essentially be described like every uh, one of those quarterbacks you had mentioned earlier, Mettenberger, Hackenberg, all those guys, where we're just sold on the fact that these are great recruiting classes that are maturing and they're going to be good, so we don't have to worry. You know, eventually Tennessee is going to be built into a winner again, and it just hasn't happened. And Unfortunately for Butch, I don't think it's going to, and he's going to have to find somewhere that is in Knoxville to uh, call home. I don't know if it's this year or next year, but it just doesn't seem to be working out. Hey, it's just kind of been like Ole Miss East. That's yeah. Ole Miss's thing. They got that number yeah. one recruiting class, then every year like they're getting better. And to their credit, they did you know, have some very good seasons. But Tennessee... While they've kind of had that mindset of the recruiting classes, their seasons have more or less taken the trajectory of Kevin Sumlin, yes. Texas A&M. Big time. Get, get some wins under your belt. Tennessee is back again. Be a fringe top 25, top 20 team. And then you start to lose games like this, heartbreaking fashion. And then eventually the talent 
is just clearly not up to par with some of the elite teams in college football. Certainly isn't at the quarterback position. Nothing Quentin Dormady really did was impressive. And yeah. I don't even know if he was the best quarterback in this game, which is saying something because they played Florida. Yeah, and, and that was my biggest key, I think, coming into the game is can Dormandy handle it, the pressure, and, you know, just, just play a decent game. They have a good running attack. He doesn't have to do too much with his arm. Just just open up the field a little bit so they can run the ball a little more and, you know, make it a Will Muschamp wet dream and not more of a Mac-type game where we're throwing the ball 135 times combined. And he just, I mean, he just made mistakes against a good defense, but he didn't show good decision-making or, you know, the, the ability to really open up the field. Yeah, and that'll, that'll hurt you against a defense like Florida because they were smelling blood in the water for a lot of that oh, yeah. game. Yeah. So, finally, uh, one of the nightcaps was not expected to be a great game on paper, but... We mentioned there is some potential on our last episode, and boy, did we, we almost, nail that one. <laughs> I think we guaranteed it. I think we guaranteed that this would be a close game. No one here mentioned that Texas would be lucky to be within 50. Um, yeah, no, no one was, predicted a 55-10 to 10 final. None. Nothing like no. that. So this is a game that, realistically, Texas 100% should have won. Yes. There were... There were two real back-breaking plays in this. Texas takes the lead 17-14, and very impressive play, the freshman quarterback. USC needs a field goal. They have a true freshman walk-on kicker, already missed one. Now a key play, Sam Darnold getting basically swallowed whole by the pocket. There's a, a nifty little jump pass, shades of Tim Tebow back in the day. Yeah. The catch and run, 25, 30 yards, uh, sets up the game time field goal, just backbreaking, and then they trade touchdowns in the first overtime. USC scored in literally the first play, which is just yep. like, oh, Texas. <laughs> but then second overtime, Texas is about to score another touchdown. Ball is ripped out, and then USC kicks a field goal to win it just the number of times in that game Texas alternated between being back and not back was just just countless. And this is a kind of a reflection of a couple of things we've been talking about. You've expressed a lot of concerns about Sam Darnold and interceptions. That certainly reared that again. And Texas is seemingly forever going to be searching for that signature win to plant the flag and declare that they're back, but right. weren't able to get it again. So I think a play that's going to go really under the radar because of the fact that it was double overtime and USC scored on that late field goal to tie it is before the half, the dump-off pass to Ronald Jones, where he scored from 53 yards out. That was his only catch of the night. <laughs> he ran the ball, I think, 11 times besides that. That was his only catch. And it was just a very basic underneath safety valve route, and all of a sudden he busts it loose, and it's 14-7, to and we're looking at Tom Herman. The shot they showed probably every time 
Texas had like a bad penalty call or a stupid play is him blowing up his gum and letting it explode. That's every single time something bad happened, he would look, they'd show him looking up at the Jumbotron and just blowing up the gum until it pops. <laughs> That's it. That's going to be etched in my head forever as the start of the Tom Herman era. But, I mean, you said it perfectly at the beginning. This is a game that Texas wins nine times out of ten. Any competent team wins nine times out of ten because USC was just giving it away. And and while and from USC's perspective, while Darnold did have two interceptions, one of those is absolutely not on him. Like in the hands of the receiver, somehow pops out and gets returned uh, decently far away or far into uh, USC territory, which I believe turned into a score. But yeah, it's. He's learning to extend plays, but he's still not making the best decisions with the ball. He's got, obviously, I mean, he's got the arm talent. I'm 99% sure he's going to be a New York Jet next year, which is very unfortunate for the young man, but uh, he'll get paid the big bucks, so I guess we shouldn't be too uh, worried about him. But it's it's going to be a big thing to look at, look at moving forward, especially as they get into the Pac-12 schedule with games like Washington, who's actually got a pretty good defense. Tex- er, there's a lot on my mind, but I'll say Texas' <laughs> defense played an unbelievable game and deserved to win. Their offense, on the other hand, was not good and was the reason they lost that game. Back to USC. When they play good defenses like they're going to against uh, Washington and uh, someone else that I can't remember right now. Stan- they already played Stanford. Who's the other fucking team that I'm thinking of? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I, I have editing. I think it's just. I think it's just Stanford. Okay, so we'll we'll, we'll just <clears throat> Washington. Uh, when they play Washington. It's going to be tough because that's a good secondary, and if he tries to extend plays like that and doesn't make the right decision, more often than not, it's going to either be bad incompletions or interceptions against that kind of team. Yeah, and I mean, just by the scientifically factual transitive property, Maryland might actually be really fucking good. Yeah, (laughs) who knows? The Terps might be for real. Yeah. So... A lot going on last week. Uh, not as many good games on paper, but of course we know that by this time next week, that will have changed. Uh, yes. Two we really want to highlight, and we can rapid fire through several after that. Uh, first one, Oklahoma State, who has joined Clemson as being probably the most impressive team so far this year, hammered Pitt last week, 497 and five touchdowns for Mason Rudolph. And TCU... Very quietly, number 16 in the country. Yeah. They beat Arkansas handily. They struggled a bit with SMU in the first half. Ended up winning that by 20. Kenny Hill having a good season so far. Who are you liking in this one? Uh, Kenny Trill. Yeah, I, I can't pick against Mason Rudolph because I think he is the best quarterback in the country. I think he's better than Darnold. I think he's better than Josh Rosen. I think he's better than anyone else. You can Baker Mayfield, whoever else you want to put him up against. Uh, he's thrown for 300-plus yards in every game this season. I think he has two interceptions on the year. And I, this is actually a good defense, too. It's rare to see in the Big 12, which I think we point out every single week. But this is yeah, this People is still forget defense. it. Yeah, and uh, I was 
I was very close. I like TCU a lot. I like Kenny Trills running the offense very well. They're clicking. Uh, the defense looked good until last week when they gave up 36 to SMU. I think if you can give up 36 to SMU, you can give up about 90 to Oklahoma State. Obviously, that won't happen, but I think OK State's going to win. I think it's going to be an offensive explosion either way. I think not only Mason Rudolph, but Oklahoma State probably has the best group of receivers in the country, led by yeah. Washington. And TCU has a ton of speed, the skill position this year, and Kenny Trill who's seemingly starting his seventh year of college, is uh, yeah. you know still still making plays. And TCU is always the team in the Big 12 that does have that good defense. Looks good against Arkansas, but like you said, SMU kind of exposed a couple holes in that, and we know Mike Gundy took note. And this offense is going to take advantage. They're too good not to. Right. Uh, so I'm also going to take Oklahoma State here. Yeah, and... The, the the big thing that people forget is Kevin Sumlin introduced the world to Kenny Trill. He's originally a Texas A&M recruit. Yeah, he's Behind. he has had he's had a a lengthy, well traveled career. Yes, and he was behind John Football to start. <laughs> As I was writing my uh, my Kevin Sumlin obituary that will eventually be posted. It's it's. Oh, it's going to be my uh, deer hunter. It's my work of art that's going to take a long time, but it'll be done eventually. <laughs> I came across that fact because uh, it gets lost in the tr- shuffle since he was recruited in, like, 2011 or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma State for both of us. Next up, we have the new team in this week's rankings, Mississippi State. We're going to be going to Athens, take on Georgia. Jake Frome has led the Bulldogs to a couple wins since he took over as he started in quarterback. Who you liking in this one? Yeah, it's. I feel like Mississippi State is is going to be the trendy big pick because you know they just crushed LSU and that. But I think they're worth. I think they're worth the gamble because I think they have a good defense. As we saw, they bottled up Darius Geis, who is one of, if not the best running, most talented running backs in the country. And they're going to go up against Nick Chubb, who's also a very good running back. And we've seen they can handle the run. Frome's probably a better passer than Danny Etling. They just don't really let him throw the ball that much because they've got so many damn running backs at Georgia. But I, I'm i going to go with Nick Fitzgerald on this one. I think he'll have a breakout game, and that's that's the difference in this one. I, I haven't been impressed or overly impressed with Georgia especially in that Notre Dame game, and then having watched Notre Dame live against BC last week, which was a disaster. But that's uh, – I'll go Mississippi State. I'm going to be that guy. These are two very similarly structured teams, much like Mississippi State and LSU were last week, but heavily on the defense and the rushing attack. And Mm -hmm. Nick Fitzgerald still right now is probably a better runner than a passer. You combine him with a guy like Enos Williams, and that's a great duo back there. Georgia has a veritable stable of backs, as they always seem to. Nick Chubb is a stud, and probably a better running back than Darius Geis. Yeah, Michelle as well. And the defense hasn't, I don't know, hasn't had a huge test yet. Notre Dame has some talent, but... I mean, they're still not a 
a top 25 team. I think Mississippi State's going to throw a little more at them. And I think this is going to be significantly closer than last week, obviously, because how could it not be? But I, I like Mississippi State to keep on rolling. Go dogs, go. Yeah. Thing Ray Steve can show its face again. Yeah. After last season. So the rest of the games for next week that carry some intrigue aren't going to be battles between ranked teams, but they carry intrigue because the top 10, top 25 teams are all going to be traveling on the road to face opponents who are either undefeated or have been very impressive in this early season. So we're just going to rapid fire through these really quick. Let's start off going back to the Pac-12, USC at 3-0 Cal. Is Cal the best team in California? They might, might be. Might be. <laughs> they might be, might. but I can't, I can't pick them. I have to go USC. You have to think. I mean, Darnold has found ways to win games despite not playing his best because he surely has not played his best yet this season. And you got to think that once that clicks, he's going to, you know, blow a team out. And why not this week at Cal? So I'm going with SC. I think Justin Wilcox has already helped to greatly improve Cal's defense, and we saw a lot of that last week against Shea Patterson. But, yeah, Lincoln USC is going to pull this one out as well. You got Alabama at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt fresh off that upset win at home over Kansas State, and they make it two weeks in a row. It was a super ugly football game, like really ugly. Um, I don't know how much faith I have in Kyle Shermer to lead its offense against Alabama. Uh, I think the Tide are going to be – or Nick Saban's going to have these guys fired up because for the first time this year where it's not fake, people might be underrating Alabama and saying that they're not the best team in the country because of how big Clemson has looked this year. So I'm going to go Tide big. I think Derek Mason is going to try his hardest to muck this up and make this like a 9-6 game, but Alabama just has too many weapons to actually have that happen. And Sam's going to win this. So we have Michigan, which very underwhelming against Air Force. Purdue, who beat the snot out of Missouri. Only loss is a one-touchdown loss in the season openers from Lamar Jackson and Louisville. Who do you like in here? I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. A lot of people are talking big about Purdue, and I'm going to hate myself for it, but I'm going with the Boilermakers. I, li- I like the upset. I like the road game. I've, been, I've just heard so much shit about how Purdue's finally got, like, a decent football team, and it was impressive what they did against a good quarterback in Lamar Jackson, and they're facing a good running attack from Michigan, but that quarterback play is still leaving a lot, a lot to be uh, desired. So I'm going to take Purdue in the upset by a field goal. Um, they they need it to stay low scoring, and I think that's where it's going to be. Jeff Brown is a great hire and already looks like it's paying off. I don't yeah. think any pretty team in the last, I don't know, five or six years would have even beaten, beaten Missouri, let alone blown them out on the road, if I can talk. Um, but... Similar in the last game, I think Michigan just has too much talent to skill position, even if, you know, Wilton Spade or O'Corn, whoever they end up going with back there, isn't able to, you know, make a lot of downfield passes. You just get the ball out in the hands of somebody like Jonathan Peoples-Jones, and 
going to make people miss. And I don't think this is going to be, you know, a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. I think it will be very close, something like 21-17 maybe, but still like in Michigan here. Next up, uh, Penn State, who, like Oklahoma State, has also blown out Pitt. I mean, traveling to take on Iowa. Yeah, they beat Akron twice. (laughs) Now they're going to be taking on Iowa, possibly Akron a third time if James Franklin gets to have his way at the post-game press conference. Do you like him here? Uh, Penn State by a lot. I don't think Iowa's very good this year. They struggled mightily on the road at Iowa State. Got lucky to squeak that one out in overtime. Uh, just very underwhelming all around. The defense is not what they're used to. I think Saquon Barkley goes off in this one, at least three scores. They are equally as flashy as they are every year, which is not. And there are a lot of struggles, uh, even last week with North Texas, far from a quality football team. And Penn State is just a completely different animal. I'm with you. I think Saquon Barkley has a field day. Penn State by by a couple touchdowns at least. We got uh, Washington against last year's surprise team, Colorado, still three and zero this year. Washington's looked a bit shaky at times, and this will be a a road game against a conference foe. Be liking here. Yeah, I I mean if Sefo Lufau was still there, I'd probably go Colorado. Because Colorado's a very tough place to play. They always seem to have, like, an offense that can put up points with the big teams in the Pac-12 and a defense that's very bend-don't-break. And I think that's, again, they've got a similar team to that this year. But I'm not sold on Steven Montez, despite throwing four touchdowns last week against the stout Northern Colorado team. Um, Many people are calling it stout. Yes. I... I can't pick against Jake Browning in that defense because they haven't given me a reason to other than the fact that they didn't cover against Rutgers. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, It's weird to say about an undefeated top ten team. It seems like a lot of people have already written Washington off um, this early in the season. And this will probably be, well, definitely be the best test they've gotten so far this season. Um, still really like Browning. For the most part, very efficient passer, and this will be an opportunity to kind of remind people that Washington's still a force to be reckoned with. They didn't have an especially great showing, but they were a playoff team last year, and they're going to be fighting tooth and nail to go back there this year. I think they take this one on the road. Um, then the last one, Florida, fresh off that walk-off win over Tennessee, the traveling to Lexington, take on Kentucky. 3-0, just one on the road at South Carolina. Who are we liking here? Yeah, I've I picked the Gators all year. I'm sticking with them. I don't know why, but apparently I'm a big Florida fan, like the entire state. I'm a big FAU guy, as we all know. Uh, the Gators, have, I've picked every single time. Um, yeah, Kentucky struggled week two with Eastern Kentucky at home, where they were down for a majority of that game. They struggled with Southern Miss as well, who is without their star quarterback from last year, Nick Mullins. So I don't see any reason why Florida 
shouldn't win this game, other than the fact that they still don't really have an answer at quarterback. But this defense should have a field day. And K- Kentucky's surprisingly, for the first time in seems ever, a very uh, run-oriented team this season with Benny Snell. Yeah, I think out of all of the games that we've gone through on this list, this is the biggest chance of an upset, but I'm still going to pick the favorite again here. Um, Like in Florida, uh, the only reason for concern is Florida's offense, but I'm sure the defense is going to score at least one touchdown. They always do. Might have to be a scoop and score. This time, just based on the nature of the opponent, and Steven Johnson, for the most part, seems to be kind of a run-first quarterback. As you mentioned, Benny Snell, great threat out of the backfield. And Kentucky will keep it respectable. They are better than they typically have been under Stoops, I think, despite, you know, not always looking the part through the first couple weeks in the season. But ultimately, this is going to be a game that Florida wins before the last play of the game. Yes, it, it should be at least. And if it's not, we are uh, the Gators are in for a long, long season. Yeah. Um, FAU watch where the owls this week. Well, forty-five nothing win over uh, mighty Bethune Cookman last week. Uh, this week they're at Buffalo. You know, very tough place to play. Very different yeah. climate than we're used to. Uh, Lane looking for his first road win. Should be should be an interesting one. It's a night game too. So under the lights in the oh. big city of Buffalo, watch out. Be chilly. Yeah. Watch out. Um, but I think there was one thing I thought of during the show is, is Josh Allen like the most overrated quarterback we've seen in the last few years in college football? Because he was unbelievably bad this weekend. Who'd they even play? I saw they struggled when they played Iowa, but I yeah. did not even pay attention this week. They played – hang on, I'm going to find it real quick. They played Oregon. Um, he was 9 of 24. At one point, he was 3 of 17 passing. They lost 49-13. Is, is that good? <laughs> not very <laughs> good, know. especially for a guy that many people are saying is a top 10 pick. I don't even – he's not even a top 10 quarterback in college football. He's not even the best quarterback in his conference. Someone that – it's not – He's not like the other guys you mentioned who came into college with huge expectations. He's someone that's been moving up draft boards over the course of his college career as more people have found out who he is. So He's got I a good know. story, it's, and I like the kid, but I just don't think he's living he up been, anywhere near to the he's been very un, He's been very underwhelming this year. Yes. That's for sure. I thought... Extremely. If... I mean, with all the hype he was getting, I figured he'd go into Iowa and crush him, because that's that's a classic Week One Iowa loss right there. Wyoming comes to town; they've got like the high, like just a random team like Tulsa or Toledo or someone who's just got like the great quarterback that everyone talks about, and they just come in and blow out Iowa, and it's like, oh shit, there we go. But he was not good in that game either. They lost, weren't even in the game really. And he's been incredibly underwhelming since, to the point that, like I said, Brett Ripon lost his job at Boise State, and I still think the duo of quarterbacks there are better than Josh Allen is. I don't know. I'll have to watch more Wyoming football, and hopefully the games that I do watch this year, he 
actually plays like a competent quarterback because I think this is something that's definitely getting swept under the radar a little bit, which normally when you're playing at Wyoming, just your very existence in the landscape of college football is overlooked. But everything that has been written or said this year has been just talking about how great he is, and a lot of that's deserved based on his play last couple years to put himself in this position to potentially play in the NFL. But now that people know who you are, you still have to perform. Right, and that's that'll be the tough part. But hope for his sake, I hope he turns it around because you hate to see someone, you know, work so damn hard to get there and then just fall apart. In Wyoming. There's, yes. There's not, not a ton to fall back on there. Right. He, I mean, he's a kid that was, like, writing letters and sending tape to all the schools in the country pretty much just to try and get yeah. a scholarship, and Wyoming's the one who took a shot. So it's a good story, but he is just so – He's just playing so poorly that I have to throw out overrated tag on him. Like, Good. I, I wouldn't, call it wouldn't how be I doing your it. job otherwise. No, I, I call it how I see it. We all know that. I called USC by 45 last week, and it wasn't wasn't even close. Hey. And if you just bet the money line, then you walked out of there a winner. So yes, yes. <laughs> Don't take everything we say literally. Never, never. Just take the winners. All right, so that is it for this week. IU taking on Georgia Southern, triple option attack that is not on a very good football team this year. So if Indiana loses, let's just delete that soundbite. But sounds good. Yeah, you got a, you got a lot of good games. One of those teams, I'd imagine, that's going on the road will end up being upset. We'll have that to talk about and much more for you next week. Kick off college game day.